What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the people who turned a niche Scottish football podcast into a critically acclaimed TV show on the BBC. It's Review from the Terrace, a pop culture podcast network. Hello and welcome to the Still Game podcast. My name is Bethany Tennick. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Rewatchable. Hello and welcome to Review from the Turnbuckle. Debating the best in movies, iconic TV shows, classic albums, peak era wrestling and so much more. Some intern got fired for that. Like, <laughs> like Jared! And what would you have done? <laughs> Loved it. What a moment. What a moment. Review from the Terrace brings together a collection of professionals, pals, misfits and special guest interviews. The one and only Ewan Angus. Big G Telfer. Director of Still Games, Michael Hines. That's Review from the Terrace, a newly created podcast network with at least two shows dropping every week. Hi, neighbour. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, man. You know what I'm man. Many people will say it's the biggest moment in the history of wrestling. It's about 35. <laughs> <laughs> Find us on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time and uh, falling in line with our recent two games per podcast uh, format, uh, we're doing that again and uh, as we've become very used to, we we now just win those games routinely, don't we? And uh, this week we have done that and here to triumphantly discuss those, gloatingly, gloatingly talk about those games are, as always, Jim Grant. Good evening. And uh, joining us again, one of our favourite guests on this podcast and podcaster of his own, and we'll talk a little bit about that later, it's Sam Delaney. Hi, Hello. Sam. Uh, yeah, in fact, you have, uh, you have rebooted the UIONS podcast, uh, cunningly, yeah. cunningly uh, rebranding by changing, changing you to you. You've, you've turned yeah, a, take a that, of, the athletic. Yeah, you've turned <laughs> a pun into a non-pun. You turned yeah, U-irons exactly. into U-irons. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. flipped it on them. They, no right. one could see that coming. The U-irons was a podcast that I did for The Athletic about West Ham. And then at the end of the season, I think we'd done it for about just one whole season, they said, We're not, we, don't wanna, we don't want to do that anymore. We only want to do Liverpool and Man U podcasts. Fine. And... Uh, but then me and Rashane, who's their West Ham correspondent, decided that we quite missed doing it. So we thought, okay, well, we'll, we'll relaunch it ourselves as an independent. And I said to the 
I said to the athletic, look, we're just going to start this back up again. Is that all right with you? And they ummed and they ahed about it for some reason. Mm. So I said, all right, well, I'll show you. I'll simply add a Y and an O onto the name and make it you irons and I shall see you in court. Yes. Um, but I'm yet to receive any correspondence from their lawyers. Um, and I was also took the, took the diabolical liberty of posting it on the Stop Hammer Time Facebook page. Yes, now using your platform to promote my rival podcast. Yeah, well, we, was, we're, um, we're, we're, there's very little we can do about it because, as you've as you've already implied in your earlier utterance of about eleven seconds ago, mm. you are one of Britain's greatest litigants. Yeah, I am. Yeah, we have the yeah. Queen's Council. I have to say, our our uh, our our we have uh, we have two top flight barristers and a lawyer. I know. I've heard the barristers and the yeah. lawyer. Yeah, I know so, you're. You're very you're you're mobbed up. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, I've, they, you know, I've, yeah. I've, we have the ICF I've laid down a marker of, of British law on yes. our side. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you remember there was a hooligan documentary in the eighties. Um, uh, I can't remember. It was a panorama about hooliganism, one of the many they made, and there was a scene <laughs> that we were that you know my mates and I were obsessed with at the time when West Ham. They were at, it was West Ham Millwall. And mm-hmm. so the cameras had gone down with the police van. And there's a famous moment in it when the ICF turn up at the main Millwall pub and start destroying it. And the police won't, are refusing to get out the van to deal with it. And all you hear is one of them on the CV <laughs> going, this is what you call, it's a policeman commentating on the hooliganism rather than doing it. Going, I'm sorry, they've come here. They've sung their songs. They've smashed up their pubs. I'm sorry, but this is what you call West Ham taking liberties at Millwall, right? <laughs> Which became something, something of a cult line amongst yeah. me and my mates. This is what you call West Ham taking liberties at Millwall, and I'm afraid, lads, this is what you call you irons taking liberties at Southampton. <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. I feel a bit guilty about it, but I just hope it doesn't get nasty. Hope it doesn't turn into a sort of Tevez affair. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. It's. Uh, I think. I think we can coexist as two podcasts uh, in the pantheon of podcasts that are about West Ham. You clearly don't. You mm. want to drive us out of business by first of I all. Want in, to, in, I won't. I, first, first of all, I won't rest. Our, our Facebook yeah. group, and then <laughs> buying a massive transmitter, <laughs> like like the Crystal yeah. Palace Tower, and sort of building it on yeah. top of my flat. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna just start. I mean, I'm here now. I've parked my tanks on your lawn. <laughs> I'm actually right. on your podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. oh I yeah. see. No, yeah. to be fair, right. to be fair, I did I did say, and this is true, to a piece, because I didn't it was less your legal team that I was scared of, more of Jim. I thought you might <laughs> pump Jim up with vodka yeah. and yeah, and yeah. then just hand him my address and say you know what to do right yeah, yeah. I, obviously I was intimidated by that prospect so I did write when I posted the link to my own podcast that Stop Hammer Time remains my favourite West Ham yeah, we podcast, which is true I actually prefer piece of toady no no no, I prefer, this is infuriating, I, Jim. This is having the yeah, opposite effect. Is Sam. Jim is angry, slowly really. becoming more furious. I prefer Stop Hammer Time to my own podcast. There, <laughs> I said it. Right. This is a better. My podcast is shit, and this one is good. <laughs> right. 
finally you see if we put our heads together we can come <laughs> yeah, up with, yeah, we yeah, can come yeah. up with the right solution like uh, yeah. it's like the northern ireland peace agreement now <laughs> exactly <laughs> well, we played two games of football last week um, martin mcginnis <laughs> so, yeah yeah um I, I read a very good book about the IRA earlier. I think I've plugged oh, this book on this. Nice. Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't go on about it. In fact, Leon, I think you, I think you, uh, you asked for that recommendation, so I won't plug that book again. Um, Phil, maybe yeah. you should do a separate podcast just about the IRA. About the IRA. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Um, that should, you know, be on a su- subscriber basis. Genuinely, I think. Yeah, probably. I think yeah. I think you should have that paid yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. Lots of Americans would listen to that. Bostonians, yeah. not in like... support of them, just no, like a history. No, no history and analysis of them exactly. and their activities. Yeah, wink, wink. Anyway, um, so <laughs> we played in the Caribou Cup. Uh, we played uh, Manchester United, and uh, my first observation about that was uh, when we talked about the uh, Zagreb game uh, and the rotation at the time. You know, there was a slight. Uh, probably heard a slight note of alarm in my voice that the three players that really needed a rest were the ones that weren't rotated out for Zagreb, which was Rice, Suchek and Fornells. And lo and behold, for the Man U one, uh, they were all uh, replaced in the team. And uh, apart from Fornells, the other two didn't even have to put a pair of football boots on. They just went up for a social to Manchester. And uh, so that was interesting. What do we think about that rotation um, well, I think it was both expected and justified, really, and, and the result justifies it. It was B teams, B team versus B team, and uh, our reserves turned out to be better, surprisingly. Uh, um, yeah. It was uh, brilliant. And then they played so well. They played with such intensity, especially the first quarter of an hour, 20 minutes, absolutely in their faces, um, you know, creating chances. And, you know, they had a lot of shots in the game, and so, you know, there was all, you know, it, if you look at the bare stats, it looks like they've dominated the game. But in reality, we had the best chances in that game, you know, by far, especially oh, at yeah. the end. Well, those three at the end, yeah, were extraordinary. Yeah. Did you watch it, Sam? Yes, I did. And I, I think, you know, the season so far has been great. Lots of great results and great performances. And I think everyone's feeling generally positive. But I think that that game, in many ways was almost the most encouraging of all of them. Because yeah. I think we all had a sense that we were going into season with a very good first eleven that we all felt confident about in terms of the personnel and the way in which they played together. But our big concern really was, mm, have we got enough beyond that first eleven? Can we really perform? And we did and all of the players uh who were given their chance that night really stepped up to the plate they were fantastic and also what we saw was another testament to what an amazing job david Moyes has done and his team because his staff because you sort of think it, it, it played just like the first team the the, yeah. the approach yeah. of all of the players the shape of the team and the tactics was spot on exactly the same and we can rewind a year when we went to everton in the League Cup and had to play a reserve team and we got battered. And actually the response amongst fans to that game was pretty characteristically over the top, (laughs) right? I mean, oh, we're absolutely useless with dog shit. And it was, you know, I thought a bit of an overreaction because it was our B team. But now our B team's gone up and let's get it right. Yeah, you can say it was B team against B team, but Jesus Christ, you see United's team 
was yeah. absolutely unreal. I mean, we're talking like a hundred million, two hundred million pound team there. Yeah, that they yeah. put up against us. So it might have been their reserves, but it was a team that most. That if it, if it was a team in itself, it would definitely be one that was competing for the Premier League title. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. no, you had Bruno Fernandez, really you good... had Fernandez, Martial, and Lingard. You know, in their attacking yeah, setup, exactly. right from right from kickoff. You know, uh, Jaden exactly. our best our, our best player for most of next season. Yeah, for most of last season was in their reserves. Yeah, they brought Fernandez and Greenwood on, Phil. Oh, did they? I thought Fernandez started. Um, But nevertheless, I mean, the the ability to bring those players on, we, it was brilliant. And I think that, yeah, I do actually think there's been a lot, the season's still young, but there's already been a number of fantastic results and performances. I think that one was the most encouraging to me. Because I thought suddenly it made me believe that we could do something this season. Yeah. Because there's no way you can think we're going to get through the whole season without any injuries or major suspensions or well, we swapped like we, that, we swapped right? out our goalkeeper our entire central defense and our entire yeah. center midfield with new players mm. uh and that, now we've got the player who has to play every single game is Cresswell Cresswell basically <laughs> they haven't got yeah, another no. one Must... so Cresswell is he's the, the oldest he's man the on oldest the one yeah, yeah. The sort of second oldest man on yeah, the field. Yeah, but he, even there, you know, even there, we got Masuaku yeah. and Johnson. So Masuaku, people forget, but I'm pretty sure at the beginning of last season, when we first hit a good run of form, people were suggesting that he was, you know, a contender for hammer of the season before he got injured. Yeah. You know, uh, albeit playing in a more advanced role. Yeah. But yeah. when you've got him and Johnson, and neither of them are natural left backs, but we know that they both, can offer something yeah, to the yeah, team. Absolutely. Neither of them are players that you see on the team sheet and they all know, you know. And so even in that position, I mean, he hasn't played three at the back yet this season, which he no. did on a number of occasions in the past. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. he will at some point. And I, I look forward to that because we're suddenly spoilt for choice with great centre-backs. So yeah. playing with three is no problem. But it will also be an opportunity to unleash Masuaku, who when he yes, plays definitely. in that left-wing back position... Is so exciting to watch, you know, and you yeah, think yeah. of him linking up with Ben Rama, it could be terrifying for opposition defences, Ben Rama and Masuaku, with all the trickery that they both have linking up down that side, be incredible. Yeah, historically, when Masuaku is fit and fully firing, Moyes always plays him. Yeah. He's a, he's mm. a, he's a, he's an ever present when Moy when he's when he's fit historically. So whether or not, as I think you might be right, I think they're clearly. There's been you know, getting him back to match fitness has been a bit of a project. He's played a lot of full games for the under 23s. Um, didn't play the full game on uh, the other night against Man U, but but you know played wide left midfield. Looked you know looked all right. In, in, he uh, has points. Um, he has fantastic feet, hasn't he? Yeah, really he's, good. He's Incredible, I mean he's, yeah. he's, he's sort of you know, his, his touch with the ball is possibly the best in the team. His range of passing is yeah. excellent. His control is excellent. His close control when there's a couple of big defenders around him, he'll quite often wriggle out with the ball. Um well, him and Ben Rama are very very similar, aren't yeah, they? they are. Like the way that they can do that stuff <clears throat> with the ball at their feet and pull out stuff that you kind of haven't seen since the playground when there was one kid who is able to take the piss out of everyone. Yeah, yeah. Do a sort of treble nutmeg and back heel nutmeg and stuff like that. They they can both do that. Yeah, uh, but it's yeah. amazing that Ben Rama's the sort of superstar 
But yeah. Masuaku, kind of our reserve fullback, is the yeah, other right. guy who's who's as skillful. It's mad. Well, perhaps if he does move up to a kind of wing back position, it'll be like another kind of Antonio situation in that he'll mm. play, you know, a big part in our attacking play. Um my man of the match was Diop. I thought Diop was fantastic. Yeah. A lot of plaudits went um um you know um Dawson's Dawson. way. Dawson. Dawson's way. But I mm. thought um you know when he first played under Pellegrini, and let's not forget that was a 10th place finish under Pellegrini and Dawson and Diop was our centre-back for nearly every one of those games with either partnered with Balbuena or Ogbonna. And, you know, we were going, we've got a fantastic player here. Mourinho was talking about signing him. So there's been a sort of, you know, notion lately that he's a bit rubbish uh, and that clearly, you know, Dawson and Ogbonna and now uh, Zuma are better. But I thought, you know, he did look like the um, the Diop of that season who was fantastic and even seemed to have added heading to his game because I think during the Pellegrini season, I remember sort of saying for someone so tall, he's surprisingly poor in the air, but he, you know, they got quite a few corners, man, you, and he was heading them away with his great. Yeah, he, he, yeah. he was great. I mean, you know, it's the consistency through the team is so impressive. As Sam was suggesting earlier, you know, the fitness is there. It's not like they've been not, not playing in the, in the team and you let the fitness go. You know they come; they're ready to go when they when they when they come in. Um, and all those guys had, had had terrific games. Big shout out for Fredericks, for example. Who, yeah. You know, is again he's yeah. another one who's who's been dismissed by by a lot of fans online. But actually, I thought I was very good in um, in Zagreb, and I thought it was terrific. I mean, you know, the work for the goal. I mean, to burst through four players, nutmeg yeah. one, go straight through with pace put it back into the right area for the goal was absolutely fantastic. It was a real well, shame. That imagine been, you know, imagine with if... With the injury. But... You know, Sancho. If Sancho, Martial, Fernandez, you know, these players who they have playing for them, that's the sort of stuff you would expect. Or even Ronaldo, to be fair. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not... Don't worry, everyone. I'm not yeah. comparing Ryan Fredericks to Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't... I don't I'm not saying he's the other one. No. With <laughs> Ronaldo and Messi, Fredericks. Yeah. The three... <laughs> To have one generation blessed with not one, not two, but three all-time greats like that. No, but it, I mean, it was, it, like you said, it was just incredible. You know, we're trying to break down the fence and our reserve right back just burst past them with a piece of, you know, outrageous skill and athleticism. Just yeah. blast through the defence. So yeah. gutted for him that he then had to go off. Yeah, it's a real Because shame. I always shame. think... He's one of those players who's got who, who's got a lot of ability, but he de- he de- you can see by the look on his face. I always think he looks so nervous and yeah. upset about something. I worry about him, mm. and I always think he needs to believe in himself more. But you know, I've never I have never believed in a West Ham manager as much as I believe in David Moyes. No, ever. I have a video on no, that. Absolutely. absolutely. And that I must mean, have been a very you know, I look I look at all of them, and I think they're all going to get better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, They're absolutely. all going to get better. Yeah. Like you yeah. look at Masuaku, yeah. think Masuaku will become a better player. Of course, yeah. Diop's yeah. improved because they're yeah. not just leaving Diop and thinking, well, he's he's not good enough. We'll keep him on the bench and we'll call him in when we need him. They're yeah. coaching him to be better every day. They're, they're clearly making all of them ready for the yeah, call ups to the first team. Like, not, yeah, yeah. all right, just rest and we'll pay attention to you when we need you. Yeah. Everyone is, is sharp enough to step in and do a good job straight yeah. away. We'll just carry on after this message. 
Welcome back. Sorry, Jim, you were saying. I, I was saying it makes you worry a little bit about where some of the uh, online anger is going to go because West Ham online fans love mm-hmm. to have a kind of figure who is this, you know, is this season's kind of shit player. And yeah. it, let's face it, in the past, yeah. there usually has been a shit player that you can perfectly justifiably jump on. Uh, well, but sometimes you're spoiled for choice. Out running out of candidates, aren't they? Well, I mean, I mean towards know. the end of last season, there, there was such a scarcity of uh, shit players to unload on that Dawson had to play as a converted shit player because he made one or two mistakes. And so now the West Ham fans are going, he's the only, he's the only weak link, really. And, yeah. you know, when we signed Zuma, there was a little bit of, well, that's what we need to, you know, shift up a gear, get rid of him, because he's a bit of a liability. He's got a mistake in him every game. And that sort of left Diop, who there's been a strong feeling that Diop is like, he's just not up to this level, despite the fact that they can't remember a season that's only fucking two seasons ago yeah, where yeah. like people were talking about him going to Manchester United and he was the central defender in a team that finished fifth under Pellegrini you know I, but he I suddenly think, turned into shit you know I and, think Moyes has got to go out in January and buy a shit player because it's a real problem yeah, or at least get somebody shit in on loan because yeah. otherwise... Yeah. He, he said, you know, he said we're down to go. the bare bones, didn't he? He yeah, said, yeah. when it comes to shit players, we are down to the bare bones. I've never known a crisis like it. And I've had to turn to Craig Dawson as one of the senior pros and said, yeah. you, Sorry, listen, you're going to have to play shit for a few weeks. And he said, Gaffer, I'm just yeah. happy to be in the team. I'll do whatever you need from me. Yeah. And that's a mark of his professionalism. You're looking at, yeah. you know, it's like uh, David Batty, a sort of journeyman shit player who goes and sort of has a good, long, successful career as a shit footballer, uh, playing at a variety mm-hmm. of clubs and really sort of always being able to fill that space. A utility shit player is... Yeah. Uh, as a manager, yeah. you just, you know he's going to come in and just do a job for you. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, we, listen, lad, we need someone to come in, be shit, soak up some fan abuse... Yeah. And then we'll see at the end of the season, we'll have another look at your contract at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. We need, yeah, we need one. Um, yeah. You want a player who's, uh, whose celebration is that sort of shrug and lowering of the head when they walk away from when they've managed to kick the ball into their own net from the kickoff. Yeah. You know, that sort of, <laughs> yeah. that like, kind of resign. I like to have a player who looks perennially <laughs> consumed by shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, ashamed to be there yeah yeah my my sort of one of my abiding memories is being at at whatever end it was when Mike Newell turned towards us and and mouthed the words I'm trying (laughs) 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 after being booed by the fans that was like that's the kind of lowest I've seen a footballer be on the pitch but but some players didn't care like the worst one ever for me, and God knows we've seen a lot of shit players, was Lee Chapman. Because Lee yeah. Chapman was so bad, but he carried himself with a sort of an arrogant swagger. Yeah. As if to say, listen, right, I played in Leeds United's championship winning team and I'm married to Leslie Ash out of Quadrophenia. So you, you horrible West Ham fans should be privileged that I am here playing shit for you. Yeah, yeah. You could have a, you could have a really. I'm a high class shit player. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that that was what annoyed me about him. Yeah, there were young, there were young West Ham fans that um, look at the kind of stats of those seasons. And Chapman, Chapman did score. You know, he scored some goals. He scored on his debut for us. Oh, some good goals. And Mm. and um, and you know, Rob Banks's YouTube sort of compilation sort of paint quite a rosy picture of Lee Chapman. But we were there, and what you saw was Mm. whenever he fucked up, he did that. um, pointing going i wanted the ball there i wanted it there yeah you you would have never fucking got to it if it was there because you can't run fast enough you know and he he couldn't run he was a proper he was a cart horse and he was arrogant with it because i remember ian dowie came in uh not long afterwards and that's right ian dowie was just as limited wasn't he there was similar sort of players he was just as limited in terms of his pace and technical ability but fans liked Ian Dowie because yeah. Ian yeah, yeah. Dowie was not arrogant. He was yeah. doing his best, right? He was yeah. working hard in every game and he had a sort of a charisma whereby yeah. the fans sort of respected his effort. Lee Chapman uh, just came uh, across like an arsehole who looked like well, he, he was doing us a favour to be yeah, that, yeah. That's exactly it. I, I do think he was a better player than Ian Dowie, but the point is by the time he got to us and he'd had his career, he'd been at you know, Forest and Leeds and wherever and had scored some good goals... It was that that air of that I'm I'm really demeaning myself. I'm doing you an utter favour. You you bastards playing yeah. for you. You should be fucking. And I wouldn't mind, but we si- the team. we signed him from Portsmouth, and he turned us down. What happened was he turned us down. I think Redknapp si- tried to sign him in the summer. He turned us down. He went to bloody Portsmouth. Yeah, over us, and then and then later on in the season when he realised he couldn't actually get a game at Portsmouth. And we sold Julian Dick, so we had some money. Only then did we get him, which is a classic bit of daft Harry Redknapp business. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'll get I'll get that bloke, that aging cart horse who's turned us down in the summer and now is six months older. Redknapp had a thing of kind of you could see in his mind he was going, one day that player will play for us. And inevitably they yes. did. Um Neil Ruddock, yeah. I always thought Neil Ruddock mm. will be a West Ham player yeah. at some point near the end of it. Yeah, and he it was, was written in the stars, wasn't it? And did yeah. he sign Robert Lee? I mean, I, in those Yeah, Robert Lee is the old Yeah, well, he was always like gonna that. come. She was a huge West Ham fan yeah, and yeah. ever and I think we tried to sign him even from Charlton before he even yeah. went to Newcastle, which uh, I think she yeah, was yeah. like, and we didn't end up actually getting him until he was about a hundred. Although oh, yeah. I don't think that was Redknapp. I think that came. I maybe think it might have been. Yeah. Or, Could have been uh, in the championship. Yeah. Was in that category as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Another West Ham fan. Yeah, Koncheski. Oh, a lot of these yeah. players who always. Yeah. Have, I mean, it, look. Put it this way: it's only because people like Harry Redknapp are no longer involved in our club that we have not signed what's his name, <laughs> Voldemar, off of Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. John yes. Joe Shelby. What's his name? Yeah, yeah. John Joe Shelby. Yeah. Because yeah. Shel- Shelby's another one that you just sort of think, Shelby's must have played for us by now. Has he still yeah. not played for us? I mean, he will yeah. play for us. But the thing is, taking us back to David Moyes, under David Moyes, we will not sign players like that. We will not sign typical West Ham players. Yeah. Right? No. Because he, he's got standards. He came in and he's just brought standards, but the right kind of standards, because in the past you had managers like Pellegrini who came in and believed they were going to introduce higher standards to West Ham. Yeah. But what they actually did was come in and think, I'm going to try and manage West Ham like <laughs> I managed Real Madrid or Man yeah. City. Yeah, think, yeah. Well, That's not going to work <clears throat> because we're West Ham. 
right? Absolutely. Um, Then you've got other managers, they come in, they think, oh, it's just West Ham. I'll go out and sign fucking John Joe Shelby. That will shut all their moaning fans up, right? (laughs) And that, but what we got with David Moyes was a man who was perfect. He's like a good manager, but he understands where West Ham are and and where realistically they could be. Yeah. And he just is doing, and he's sort of introducing standards, but realistic standards. So he's not thinking, oh, I'll just, Give me a load of money and I'll sign a, a winger from Lazio and a top striker from the Bundesliga and it'll all fall into place like Pellegrini. Yeah, it's like, yeah. no, I'm going to really work hard and get exactly the right level of player who is just motivated enough to come to West Ham, be happy and proud to play for West Ham and have something to prove in their career to push them forward. Because yeah, I always I'm... thought what we did, we always signed players who kind of were disappointed because they were taking a step down to be yeah, with yeah. us. Exactly. And therefore, they're a bit shrugging. Oh, well, whatever, I'll probably move on. Um, this is a bit poxy anyway. But yeah. every player he has in the, the team now has either come from the championship, come from the youth team, or come from somewhere like, uh, you know, well, you've got well, like... And, and, yeah, or, yeah, exactly. You come from like the championship, the youth team, or bloody Prague, right? From a, from a lesser league. So the only player he signed in who's could who you could say is taking a step down would be Zuma because Zuma's a, already a French international, yeah. won the Champions League and all of that. But clearly he did a lot of due diligence on Zuma because Zuma, by all accounts, has a fantastic character, yeah. did want to come to West Ham, understands what it's about, and is happy to be there. He's not thinking, well, oh, well, and, and well, the I kind of I kind of wanted to go to City, but oh well, never mind. The yeah. key difference with Zuma is his age. Yeah. You know, the, the thing is, yes. those kind of players in the past, it's been Lundberg or, you know, or someone like that coming, mm-hmm. you know, just to, just to, just, you know, to cash in their pension, really. Yeah. Whereas Zuma yeah. is in the prime of his career. And Vlasic, you know, uh, Vlasic, yeah. when we, you know, failed to sign Lingard, but instead we signed a, a very hungry 23-year-old international who wants yes. to come in and wants to do a good job, gets what we're like, plays like players yeah. we've already got. You know, um, which yeah. is sort of a downside yeah. in a way, but in a in a sense, if you have a kind of very distinct style and want to play on several fronts in several tournaments, well, it's quite good to have players that mm. play like your other players. <laughs> I, I, mean. I, I, I think it's I think it's brilliant. I think he was exactly the right type of player for us to sign. Yeah, definitely. Because of the way we attack is with a lot of versatile, pacey, skillful play, uh, for, like inside forwards wingers who can who can rotate positions. But the problem is, if you've if you've got three of them playing behind a striker, and one gets injured, you end up having to change the system. Yeah, if yeah. you lose one. Yeah, absolutely. No? So absolutely. I thought him who can play in any of those positions and even play up front. Apparently, if he really needs to, it was exactly the right signing. And after Bowen's performance in that League Cup game, you realise actually we were better off signing Vlasic than a centre forward who was just yeah. a straightforward centre forward. With, you know, Danny Ings or whatever, I'm, yeah. I'm immediately thinking, yeah, Ings is doing well at Villa, but Bowen is a better second choice for us. When we've got yes. Vlasic, you can come in and take Bowen's pace. And Bowen knows exactly how to play up front in our system. So that's actually, I'm happy with that, you know? Yeah, yeah. You uh, can't I think, sort of, but, sorry, go on, Jim. Well, I was just going to say, I'm glad you mentioned Bowen in a way, because I think he really is a player who seems to me to have, taken a, just a, a step up this season in the level of his performance, you know. Yeah. Um, mm. I think, you know, 
you could argue have criticised him a little bit for end product in, in the past, but he just looks so confident now. Yeah. I, I, I really, really have been impressed with him so far this season. And I'm glad yeah. he got, the, well, it was an own goal, I suppose, wasn't it? But, you know, he created the opening for, you know, the game at Leeds. Yeah. So oh, yeah. He, he, he certainly that. takes a lot of credit. He made that happen, didn't he? It was sort of yeah. like, I was getting nervous I was, it was a point of the game where I was thinking, I think we're going to lose this. Mm. And the way that he sort of did created that goal off his own back was like, it was almost like he dragged us back into it. Because yeah. I was thinking, oh, we keep missing. We're not going to get this. And he was just like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to get us a goal. I'll yeah. get the, I'm going to get the ball in the back of the net here. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But Leeds are a funny team to play against, aren't they? Oh, God, Because yes. I yeah. thought, oh, God, you know, People said they could have been three and a half half time, which is true, they could have been. But then so could we, because we had loads of chances and their keeper made loads of yeah. saves. And then the game was just balmy. I mean, end-to-end is it's a cliche, but it really was. But what was really mad was our winning goal. It was so, you just can't beat a last-minute winner because I was more no. than happy with a point at that stage. I was so happy with a point. Yeah, I was too. like, fine. That's good. You know, Leeds, what a hard game to go and play up at Ellen Road. Classic West Ham losing situation. So to get the point is fine. Yeah, absolutely. And then you were there, weren't you, Jim? And just nick those three points. Yeah, yeah I went and it was brilliant. And it was uh, um, uh, for by a series of kind of quirks of fate. I'd never been to Ellen Road before. And uh, what an old school ground it is. Absolutely. It was old school football. Yeah. Lots and lots of aggressive kind of back and forth between the fans, really loud and noisy. Um, and it was really interesting to see Bielsa's leads in the flesh. I'd seen them on the telly, but, you know, it's not the same, is it, when you mm. see their intensity was bonkers. I mean, you could you could see. But yeah. I, I turned to Chris Miles, who, who, who I went with, um, and I said, no way can a team keep this up for 90 minutes. It's absolutely impossible. And no. honestly, they fell off a cliff at 70 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I, yeah. Was, um, I would have been disappointed if we'd not won that. I don't... I, we absolutely bossed that second half. Um, and... Yeah, we did, yeah. Uh, to be fair, Rafinha was the best player on the pitch for, for the time that he, yes. he was on there. He's bloody good. Mm. Um, and when he went off, I think straight off, the, the equaliser came a little bit out of the blue. Um, but once we'd equalised and once he went off, honestly, we, they were, they were, they were done. They were absolutely shagged. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we had better fitness. <clears throat> we had, we, I mean, all this talk about mm. him and his fitness regimes and all that, our team held up better. And, um, that's incredible. Well, the thing is, do you think, do you think that Moyes actually, I mean, the stats always show that we usually concede a lot of possession in all of our games, even at home sometimes. And do you think that Moyes purposefully plays, I remember, I think it was in the Euros, they said England, Southgate coached them to play in waves. So he, he coached them to have 20 minute spells of possession and attack. Yeah. Mm. And then to almost purposely release the ball and sort of get their shape and just sit in front of the other team for a while and contain them. And I was looking at it thinking, is that what Moyes does? Does he, does he sort of, because we do go in fits and starts. We often start very strongly. Yes. You know, and create a lot of chances and then 15 minutes go by. And sometimes we've scored, sometimes we haven't, but either way, 
it's almost like we some I, i'm wondering is this because i've got so much faith in Moyes? i think that anything <laughs> that goes negative against us must be part of his master plan <laughs> i well, literally have become that much of an acolyte yeah. because yeah. i think well, actually, oh, this you know, is the it, bit where Moyes says to them yeah. let them have the ball for a while yeah. Um, I have to say that, you know, after they scored their goal, we, I mean, I wouldn't say we fell apart, but we did seem to slightly lose the plot a little, I That's thought. True. We, we, yes. we, um, and I couldn't see, I was watching it on TV and I couldn't quite see what was going wrong for us. You know, I, um, you know, cause obviously the two teams might as well have all had starting blocks. It really was like, yeah. it was like a pair of sumo wrestlers hurling themselves at each other at the beginning of that game. Yeah. And until their goal on about the 19th minute, I think, uh, we were just flying at each other. It was just end to end, wasn't it? But then they put the ball in the net and something, and I I was really, you know, normally I, I, it, 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 it's something like a drop in intensity or a, just a drop in tempo. But it, it didn't seem to be like that in this case. And I couldn't quite see what was going wrong. Because um, um, I was going, he's got to get them in at half time and fix this and then we'll have a better second half. But I felt like we were almost hanging on and from that 19th minute to the 45th minute when we, when we could go in and have a cup of tea and an orange. Um, I think we started with incredible yeah. intensity and should have been 2-0 up after 10 minutes or quarter an hour. But you're right. We yeah. had a bad spell after they scored. Basically, Rafinha gave Cresswell a torrid time. I mean, uh, um, and Cresswell was found out for for pace, I think, a little bit um, right. in, in when he was on the pitch. But also, I think we were a bit gung-ho in midfield. Um, Rice was Rice is, was doing his career careering forward thing. Um, and I think... They just sort of settled and, and Rice played a little bit deeper and more solid in, in the second half. Yeah. I think it was a little bit more organised uh, in that way. But, um, you know, the, 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 I was just so impressed with the, with, with this, with the stamina, really, of, of, of the team because it was a real onslaught from Leeds. And, yeah. uh, you know, we, we, we weathered that and, and ground them down in the end. Uh, it was a fantastic think- away performance. Do you, do you think that just what you say about Rice there? Do you think that we could maybe be having a, a bit of a Lampard and Gerrard situation yes. with him and Suchet? In as much yes. as last season Suchet was a bigger goal threat because he knew that Rice was just protecting the yes. back four. Now Rice, maybe because he did so well in the Euros and because his profile yeah. so big, he wants to prove something about himself, Rice. And he wants to be more of a Brian Robson or a David Platt, you know, yeah. a real box to box guy. And he wants to get. He, I can tell he's got his. He wants to get on the score sheet. He wants to get ten goals this season. Yeah, yeah. And he's the main man. So he's thought. Do you know what? I'm going forward. And the way I see that is, that's all very well, Declan. You are the main man, but you have to score because if you're not scoring or getting assists, you, you, what you're doing is you're costing us the goals and assists that yeah. we know Suchek will get us. Let's not forget Suchet was voted hammer of the season last season. Yes. Yeah. And I think he's he's not been anywhere near his best this year. And I think there's a situation there between those two. I well, think that's um, actually spot on. Because it was interesting on the Facebook group, you know the Facebook group, Sam, the group you go on and, and yeah. you think yeah. it's your you, you think Yeah, it's yeah, your, yeah. You think yeah. it's your group. I now. can see yeah. I consider it like a home to me, yeah. second yeah. home anyway. Yeah. Um, the lads but, on there, they just love me. They love yeah. it when I'm there. They're like, oh yeah. great, Sam's there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Craig Clipson um, 
said that, you know, he thought that basically Moyes got them in and almost, um, you know, codified that, said, okay, Declan, I want you to protect the back four and, and uh, uh, let Thomas kind of surge. That's forward. right. It I felt like right. he, it, yeah. Craig was saying it was like that looked like a conscious tactical change rather than something that, you know, the two of them kind of sorted out amongst themselves. They, they, you know, they deliberately went back to that because he's always going to, Declan's quite often what, a lot of what he does good is running from deep anyway. You know, once Mm. he's got a bit of momentum going, um, you know, because from a standing start, he's not super quick. But once with those long <laughs> legs, once he gets going, he's very difficult to knock off the ball. So it probably is a bit of a better idea for him to sit a little deeper anyway, because yeah. he can always have those runs forward. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the problem that Declan Rice has got is similar to what the problem that Steven Gerrard had, is that he's too good, right, to be held into a particular position because yeah. he could do anything. So the fact is, if he sits and just does the classic you know, Claude Makaleli role of sitting in front of the yeah. back four, sweeping everything up, breaking down attacks, dropping into a back three where necessary. He's the best in the Premier League at doing that. Unfortunately, he is also the best at the Premier League of rampaging forward with the ball at his feet, right? Yeah. And and so he wants to do the fun bit, right? Yeah. That was like Gerard. When Gerard first was in the Liverpool team, he came in as a holding midfielder. But he yeah. was too good to be contained in that role. And so uh, England had to play really without a holding midfielder for years because they felt that they had to pick both Lampard and Gerard. And Lampard yes. was good enough to be a defensive midfielder yeah, if he yeah. wanted to be. But he didn't yeah. want to be because why would you? And that's yeah. the problem. And, and the thing is that we've got that means we could be playing without a holding midfielder. Suchek can do it, but he's wasted really if you just ask him to sit there. And you know, it's a small problem and it's a high-class problem because it means yeah. we've got two brilliant midfielders. And it, But you do, if the system calls for someone to be permanently sat there in front of the fence, yeah. it, with the players we've got, that should be, for me, that's got to be Declan and not Suchek because Suchek's yes. such a massive goal threat. You know? I, I think that's, I think, you know, that's right. And I think Craig's analysis on the, on the, on the Facebook post was, was absolutely right. The one thing I would say, though, is that I think our football's evolving. Um, mm. You know, last, I think, you know, when we started to sort of, people started to sit up and take notice of the team, we were very much a counter-attacking team scoring a lot of our goals from set pieces. We haven't scored a single yeah. set-piece goal this season. No, no. We're scoring team goals. No, we've look, we've looked poor which, at set pieces, actually. Yeah, we in have, some yeah. ways, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I, I know we got carried away with the fact that it was a last-minute winner. It was all absolutely brilliant. But if you step back and you look, at that counter-attack goal that we scored in our 90th minute, right from Zuma heading the ball out, uh, Antonio then collects it, lays it off. Uh, there's a bit of skill from Vlasic, then a lovely little dink ball from Kuval, then then uh, Rice driving forward. And it is a brilliant pass, curved pass into yeah. Antonio. Mm. Oh, it's Great. a brilliant pass, yeah. Antonio takes a slightly Antonio-esque heavy touch, yeah. which works out well because his pace just gets him to the defender who has now committed himself because he's seen Antonio's taken a heavy touch. And uh, and then he just calmly, you know, slots the ball home in a yeah. way that what a he would I mean... have done three years ago. Um, no, I mean, the thing is, I think the guy. time for people saying, oh, Antonio, good but unconventional, you know, 
bit sloppy, but gets the job done. I think those days are gone. I think Antonio now is just, well, I mean, the stats alone to you, he's the best goal scorer we've had in the Premier League era. And, yeah. you know, I think he I think he has secured legend status, not yeah, just because yeah. of his goals, but because of everything he's done. He, he, you know, he came as an afterthought in the transfer window, in, yeah. in Bilic's first transfer yeah. window. Yeah. He came under the radar. He arrived on the same day as a couple of other players. We'd signed Victor Moses on loan the same day, and they were very similar players. They're both yeah. wingers, you know, uh, very pacey wingers. And so people weren't thinking about him. It took him about half a season to break into Bilic's team. And well, an injury to Moses. An injury to Moses. Let open the door for yeah. And then he he straight away started scoring important goals, including a winner against Spurs. Yeah. And, you know, and he just came from nowhere. And he's been through all that stuff, being played at right back, being played all over different positions, never being really certain of where he was expected to play having to kind of transfer into centre-four, which I'm sure at first he didn't like, but said he'd just do it. He's had yeah. times where his form's dipped and the fans have got on his back. He is one of the most likeable characters we've ever had at West Ham. If you look at everything about him, the, the, you know, his charisma, his personality, his positivity, the man is, I think he's incredible. I'd love to see him lead the team out one day, you know, yeah, when, yeah, yeah. when Declan's not there or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, just, I just think the bloke's a legend. I mean, and, and also, if you look at the way in which his players evolved at the age of 30, that take, as a lot of people said on Twitter, if that had been Lukaku who'd scored that goal, people yeah. would have been raving about yeah, it. Yeah. That was well, an amazing goal to score in the 90th minute. It was. It was a fantastic goal. Um, the commentators and pundits were having orgasms over Arsenal's breakaway goal. And, and it's like not in the yeah. same, it's, you know, it's, that's a good goal. It's a good breakaway goal, whatever. Yeah. But the elements that, that in our, if that had been Liverpool scoring out on Man City, the people, it would have been endlessly analysed on match of the yeah. day and whatever. And at the moment, oh. I'm really glad we're still under the radar. Under the radar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I really think it's good for us. He's, um, um he's, I, um... I don't know. Go on, go on, Sam. Sorry. So I was going to ask you both. Do you think, and I know it's early, so it's a bit of a cheeky question, but do you think we're better than we were last year? Because I, I look at it and I think, is that like you said, Jim? We've evolved. We've got more, we've got more I, I strings to our bone out. Yeah, I think we yeah. are. I think there's a confidence and, that comes from the habit of winning as well that, that you see yeah. in the team. I, we went 1-0 down against Leeds. And do you know what? I, I honestly never thought we were going to lose that game. I really didn't. Mm. And, and well, we've done it three times ground, against Leeds, haven't we? Um, yeah. You know, we've done it three times now. They're, they're, they're all games that feel like, you know, we certainly didn't murder them. And in fact, almost you could kind of go, you know, we, we sort of got away with one there. We sort of won. But we've done it three times. So and that's, it yeah. kind of stops being, it stops being the kind of uh, exception and starts being the rule if you do it three times, you know. Um, and... Uh, uh, I think that is the fact that we stay in the game the whole game, and that I don't think I've seen that as much under. Yeah, I mean, any look manager. at United when we when we lost to Man U. There was in any other situation, any other season, and a- any other club in the Premier League, bar City and Chelsea or Liverpool. Like the idea that you've led, you've had a really good game, but that they've beaten you with two 
very good goals, particularly the second goal, Lingard. And you just, yeah. in the end, you think 2-1, close match. We gave it our best. You've got to expect to lose these games. Oh, well. But not this West Ham. We no, got no. we won our penalty in the last minute. And, you know, we fucked that up. But that should have been a point, that game. And that yeah, yeah. point would have been oh, a fair, fair result. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. We wouldn't yeah, have nicked. That wouldn't have been a stolen point. It would have been no, the least I, we deserved. And I think that, you know, you can't forget that either because the, the penalty miss and the mix-up over that notwithstanding, that is another example of how we fight to the end and always yeah. believe we're going to win. Yeah, yeah. David yeah. Moyes, I think, probably feels like you, Jim. I think part of him sort of thinks, fuck me, we're not getting the respect we deserve here because we are a serious team. Let's not forget, people go mad over Leicester. We have smashed Leicester three times in a row. Yeah. Yes. And they are the closest team to us and where we yes. want to be. Yes. And people categorise them. And people mention Leeds and Villa in the same breath as us. And when we came up against Leeds and, and the pundits in the context, they absolutely love Leeds. Bielsa is so trendy, isn't he? All the hipsters love him. and the Oh, yeah. Leeds this, Leeds that. We smashed Leeds twice last season. We smashed them again. We, we really smashed Leicester three times yeah, in a row. Yeah. Outside of those top four teams, we're the best team. You know, we're, yeah, you we're the best so. team yeah. at the I, moment. And and, I think, and I, I, I think that Moyes is probably a bit resentful that no one's acknowledging that, but he's yeah. probably more like Jim and thinks, well, this works to our advantage. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think, think so, yeah. For us. Um, I think the acid test, however, I, I, I agree with everything and I, I, I'm loving it at the moment, but I do think the acid test, I don't really count Man United as one of the really top teams. I know they've got loads of fantastic players mm. or whatever, mm. but I think the manager's shit actually. And I, I, yeah. I, I don't think their midfield's not as good as ours. And, you know, um, yeah. I think the acid test is how we play against Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool. We got next to bugger yeah. all out of them last season. Got one point, I think, against Man City at home. Um, yeah. And I feel that's where we've got, you know, that will be the real marker. Are we properly competitive? I felt in those that he, days? He, he, Moyes showed too much respect against those teams I last agree. season and against, and against United. But I thought, saw signs that the way we set up against United suggest that he is thinking differently this year and think, right, it's time yeah. for us to go a little bit more toe-to-toe. -to -toe. I yeah, hope, because like you said, we've only seen it in one game against United and United are the lesser of those clubs. Um, yes. But he did say, I thought, oh, I hope he doesn't, because last season it was uh, the only thing that annoyed me about Moyes was when we came up against those teams, especially Liverpool, who were vulnerable. And at that stage, we had a much better chance of qualifying for the Champions League than they did. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, and they had in And they had injuries... Yeah, and we, we turned up it. like we were a relegate. We we were, we were fighting relegation, and yeah. we were we kind of like rolled out the red carpet for them. And I I don't know, like you say, the football's evolving, and I think Moyes is ambitious, and he'll be thinking this year I want the players to try something a bit more against these top teams. So hopefully, I still think that we'll probably lose more than we win against those three clubs. Oh yeah, but I think we'll I'm do. We'll get game. a better points. <laughs> we'll get a better points return. I hope than last season. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, we've got two games coming up this week as well. In fact, the first of them is tomorrow and the next one's Sunday. Uh, we have got um, uh, Rapid Vienna and Brentford, haven't we? Um, what do we think will happen prediction-wise in those games? Jim? 
Um, well, I, 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 all the European games are a bit of an unknown quantity for me. Um, Vienna lost their lost their first game, but I suspect they'll they'll be um, difficult to break down. I think they'll set up probably a, a, like a typical away team in Europe defensively, um, and maybe at the moment, as a, you think of the Southampton game, for example, maybe that's an area where you know we we do still struggle a little bit to to just to break down a very solid defensive lineup, but. You've got a fancy, yes, I would have thought. Yeah. You know, following the Zagreb game. But I think it will be tight. I think one of those kind of tight, cagey games, um, and it might be frustrating at times. I'm expecting them to be classically kind of niggly and time wasty and, and whatever. Uh, I think we're gonna we're we're gonna win it one nil. One nil. Sam, what do you reckon? Yeah. I reckon 2 now on the basis of no knowledge of Vienna, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't have no I, I figure Zagreb, was, Zagreb away was the, easily the toughest fixture, to my mind, yeah. in the group. And we, we won that at a canter. So I think we'll beat Vienna 2-0. But two I nil, don't know yeah. if that rationale really yeah. ends up. We, we um, you know, it, it, it is sort of momentarily knocks you off your stride when a team does to you what you normally do to them. Like Southampton, uh, Hasenhutl mm. had them just sort of sit very deep and let us play in front of them. And, um, mm. you know, hopefully with everyone firing, we can pick our way through, like, which is what, you know, teams like City do against a team that sort of sits and says, you know, we're going to just yeah. let you play in front of us. Well, hopefully that means that eventually we'll just find a killer pass and slot it in, you know. And I think sort of Bowen's on form at the moment. Yeah, yeah, Bowen's on form. Ben Rama's on form. It depends you know. who he plays. It depends who he plays. Didn't play, did he play Bowen and Ben Rama? I can't remember against uh, Dynamo Zagreb. I, I, I don't know if he'll... No, he didn't play, play. I mean, he didn't play Bowen. No. Bowen, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a night we haven't seen Vlasic really hit hit his stride yet. Maybe no. this could be a good night for him to do that. Yeah, good night for him to start. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I'm gonna. Yes, I'll say. Uh, I'll say three one, three one. Um, all right, and then it's Brentford on Sunday. Yeah. Now they're going well. They're aren't proving they? that, yeah, they are. They're proving the real surprise package this uh, this season. And there usually is a surprise package coming out of the yeah. promoted teams, uh, and it does look like them. Um, they they've got a very likable manager. They're a very likable lot, really, aren't they? Um, mm. uh, I think. Yeah, I went to that game. You know, the friendly there. You know, and which oh yeah. Was, which was a cagey game, typical kind of pre-season friendly in many ways. We just had that little bit of quality. I, I, I think they'll be quite gung-ho. I think they'll play the way they play. Um, uh, but again, I, I think it'll be a tight game and we'll probably just have that little bit too much for them. So I'm going for 2-1. 2-1. Sam, what do you reckon? Do I have to choose a different score? can't yes. remember the rules. Because I was, yes. was going to say 2-1 for the same reasons. So instead, I will say 3-1 to West Ham. I think in the Premier League at the moment, we always look like we'll concede one goal. Yes. Yeah. Um, but but we'll have too much for them ultimately, yeah. That's what I hope. Then following the formula of our, our predictions for Rapid Vienna, I will take 1-0. Uh, <laughs> okay. It seems okay. fair just to distribute okay. the, the, the only three possible scores around <laughs> amongst the three of us. Um, yeah. Now, yes, we... we, we I've been instructed to keep these podcasts a little bit sort of shorter these days. So um, uh, we might not have time to discuss um, the Brazilian shirt 
name, name. the Brazilian shirt name course, podcast yeah. that you're on, Sam. But we should discuss it. Um, let's have you on again very soon and talk about it then. But in the meantime, people mm. can do their homework and uh, Google Brazilian shirt name podcast to hear you talking to a couple of people about um, the Manchester fixture in which Tevez scored. And of course, yeah. then the fallout, which became known as the Tevez affair. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, they, they basically, they on this podcast, which is a good podcast, they, Tim Vickery and uh, Dot and Adabai, they pick out a different game from history and just focus right in on that game. It could be any game international club football whatever and they look at it and they look at it in a bit of social and cultural context as well um so it gets a bit highbrow and i switch off to be honest but i was i was so there for the uh carlos tevez chat there's a lot of kind of lazy assumptions isn't there yeah yeah from people who don't follow west ham or sheffield united about what happened there and so I was delighted to put it straight. And another reason why the Stop Hammer Time Facebook page is such a fantastic place is that I really wanted to go in fully briefed. I didn't want anyone catching me out or asking me a question I didn't know the answer to. I felt like I knew it, but I really wanted to catch up. So I thought I'll ask the lads on Stop Hammer Time, but all anyone yeah. listening who got back to me, that's because it was a bloody, it's a worth the read. I mean, you've got yeah. an archive there of every single bit of information <laughs> and argument you could possibly yeah, right. ever require on the Tevez scandal. Absolutely. It was brilliant. So thanks to everyone who helped me out on that. Yeah, and it would be good for us to have a little sort of debrief chat about it as well. Yeah, do listen to a Brazilian mm. shirt name podcast for an incredibly surreal uh, conversation about music as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Suddenly everyone forgot Amy Winehouse's surname. Uh, they just couldn't remember her surname. Um, I, oh, but, yeah, I noticed yeah. that. Yeah, I'm sorry, I went along with that because they start they start calling her Amy and yeah. and I, I wouldn't usually do that, Phil, but no. I don't know. I mean, you know, would you get dragged into something like that? I got dragged into it. I you hope did. that you appreciate that I was dragged into something I felt uncomfortable no, with. No, I sensed that. I sensed that that was happening, that you were sort of dragged into it against <laughs> your will. And also <laughs> you stood up against that made me look quite weak? It's an incredibly surreal conversation about pop music where, like, one of them's contention yeah. about the Manic Street Preachers is like, you can't be a... <laughs> yeah. And I don't yeah. like the Manic Street Preachers, but, you know, if you do, no. whether you do or don't, they've got a right to exist without having researched the entire history of music before they formed their yeah, yeah. group. Yeah. Um, and then I can and tell then you something about that. Then, then there's two other guys... Tim Vickery... Go on, sorry. No, go on, go on. Go on, we're going to a weird, sort of weird pissing contest, which I have seen before happen amongst men, uh, where they kind of go, one of them's like, well, of course, you've got no Rolling Stones without uh, Muddy Waters. And the other one goes, well, you wouldn't have him without Howling Wolf. And then they basically go back yeah, to, like, yeah, yeah. you know, Cro-Magnon Man going, well, you wouldn't have a, you wouldn't have a man rock signalling saber-toothed tiger coming near without... Woman, <laughs> saying, nearly ready. You should all come home. It's literally yeah. a, just no, a pissing I, contest, but I based know. on this contention that pop groups don't have a right to exist unless they've researched the whole history of music before it. And you, um, you know, push back against that by going, "Well, I think any group's got sort of a right to just be influenced by." you know, the records they've got or the stuff they hear. They don't have to go and do <laughs> yeah, a fucking exactly. degree in music before they I, form a group. I, you know, Tim Vickery shouted at me, are you saying that ignorance isn't a problem? And I sort of <laughs> yeah, thought, well, yeah. of course it's not a problem. I mean, yeah, what about the Sex Pistols? 
I don't think they'd fucking... What do you want? People to have a degree in the history of pop music? Yeah. Anyway, having said we wouldn't talk about it, we have now (laughs) talked about it. But uh, let's talk about... We we should talk about the Tevez part in another podcast very soon. But, um, yes, in the meantime, this is Stop Hammer Time. My name is Phil Whelans. And with me this week... B-Week? B-Week? Yes. That's not a word. It's Jim Grant. Cheerio. And Sam Delaney. All the best. Come on, you irons. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.